Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. As we continue to make our way, I have a goal to talk to every Bruce fan I can find. Bruce, bud, introduce yourself. I am Rabbi Aryeh Burke, and I am a Bruce fan, uh, along with many of my brethren. I am so thrilled that you're joining me. Where are we talking from? I am in Columbus, Ohio. Bexley, ah, Ohio, to be exact. Very nice. I have a verily good friend who does, in fact, my the guy who does my Doctor Who podcast with me uh, lives in Columbus. So, Rabbi, we'll start out with, tell me about growing up. Tell me your musical background. What kind of music did your family listen to? What did you listen to as a kid? Tell me what year you graduated from high school, because I always think that gives me a feeling for generation of music you listen to. Well, I'm a fellow Canadian to go along with uh, some of your other guests and big Bruce uh, Springsteen fans. I was uh, born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Okay. And uh, I remember, I'm the eldest of three boys, and my mother wasn't an influence except for what I didn't want to listen to. Because she had like the Engelbert Humperdinck, Tom Jones uh, kind of music that was on. And I didn't have an older sibling to say, wow, this stuff is uh, not what you want to listen to. Um, but I quickly I quickly started developing my own taste. I graduated, and now it's strange for Canadians, I graduated the 12th grade in 81, but we had grade 13 back then. Not a repeat year, but they actually made you do a grade 13 before you went to university. And I think that was 82 for me. Wow. Um, uh, that's... That's interesting. I I, uh, I did not know. So 13 years, huh? Yeah, 13 years. They've stopped that now. But uh, back then, it was uh, we had grade 13 where the people going, we all left our high schools and we went to a separate high school for the thir- for grade 13. Um, it was it was interesting to say the least. But uh, I I can say that my musical taste have I have a very eclectic taste in music. Yes. And for me, my first two albums with my record player, I think, or my stereo that I had, I remember going out and buying Rod Stewart, Night on the Town, and Al Stewart, The Year of the Cat. Uh, those were some of the two first two first albums I had, besides some Beach Boy music, uh, Elton John's greatest hits. So those were things that I bought. And I remember your last guest talking about Sam the Record Man. I also have fond memories of going down to Sam the Record Man in Canada and buying albums. That was a... You don't get the same thing just downloading it off the internet anymore. <laughs> I remember going to uh, Musicland in the mall. I bought my Beach Boys Endless Summer 8-track the yes. summer after I graduated high school in 1977 from a, a Montgomery Wards. Uh, fell in love with the Beach Boys. I was a, you know, Elton John was the very first, Elton John's Greatest Hits Volume 1 was the first 8-track I bought with my own money. So, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I miss the local bookstores uh, more than I do the record store. I, and I know it's so much easier just to go to Amazon and order it, but I, I miss going to the bookstore and kind of looking and seeing. Um, I know, I know what you're talking about. I used to love used bookstores and there's not as many of those around anymore right. either. Just perusing through a used bookstore. But I, I must admit, I love reading books on my uh, iPad now I'm uh, or on my iPhone. I'm all for it. Uh, I don't mind it. As a rabbi, I've had to move my book collection too many times and I'm all, I only buy things now uh, e-book wise. Uh, even there are so many Jewish books now that are in the public domain that you can get on an app. So it's uh, I can carry around what our people used to have trouble carrying around um, yeah. much easier now. I guess several years ago, I was always anti-Kindle. You know, I liked having a book. And I had started to travel a lot for work. And I was pushing... Because I'm one of these people that panics if you don't have a book. You couldn't like bring just one book on a trip if I was going to be a week. 
because what if I finish that one? Right. And, you know, so I would always bring three or four books. I was actually at Dragon Con, which is a comic convention in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was on the train to go down to downtown Atlanta to get off to go to the convention. A lady was reading on her Kindle. And I said, how do you like it? And she goes, I love it. I love it that I have hundreds of books in my purse all the time. And yes, all of a sudden it clicked to me. Wait a minute, instead of bringing three or four books, I could just bring my Kindle. Um, so for the holidays, several years ago, my wife got me a Kindle. And then when I learned you can sync between your phone and your devices, you're like, I, I always have my book with me. So yes, I have now, I, I buy things that I know I'm going to want a writer to autograph. But most things I just end up buying now virtual. Yeah, I, I, I did go hear one of an, an author and a fellow podcaster, Matthew Barry from ESPN. And um, I, <laughs> I, you really can't ask him to sign your uh, iPad, your Kindle app or anything like that. So it is, a, it is a bit of a problem if you're doing it all virtual, but it's okay. I enjoyed the talk. Now, I didn't realize you were so multi that you have many interests and in more than just a Bruce Springsteen podcast. That you're doing also Doctor Who, and I guess uh, you're into comics too. Yes, I'm a huge comic fan, huge reader. How did you? How did a nice young Canadian man end up in Middle Ohio, Columbus, Ohio? Well, I think that's uh, for a whole other podcast. But I've, we've moved around quite a bit. Okay. Um, and we've we met in Israel, my wife and I. Okay. So I had to go all the way there to meet uh, a nice Jewish girl from Ohio. Okay. And uh, we lived we lived the first two years of our life in Israel as a married couple. Had our first child there, and came back in the '90s to Columbus because the economy was so bad in Canada. Mm -hmm. Spent a few years here. Had our second child here in America. And then moved to Canada for another job um, and had our third child in Canada. So we are a, a multinational family uh, of three different, uh, three different uh, um, countries of birth of our children. And we've lived in three different countries and, and in different places in the United States. I'm not just, uh, this is my second time in Columbus and uh, I've lived on both coasts and seen Bruce in three different places too. Oh, good. Well, we're going to get that in a moment. Any thoughts about the rumor of Bruce going to Israel to play? Has he ever played in Israel before? He has not played in Israel, and I'm wondering if the Bon Jovi uh, trip that happened last year and the Rolling Stone trip has kind of been um, something. Friends and I, I put on my Facebook page, you know, Bruce going to Israel, and uh, people have already been joking, let's go, let's go this summer. Uh, to see Bruce in Israel would be just amazing. I don't want to get too political, but... Why would they be a protest about him doing that? Well, it's for anyone. They try to. Uh, okay. There are some. There are some artists because it, if you can get someone to back out because of the um, to not go to Israel because you're legitimizing Israel by going and you're legitimizing anything Israel does. You're not just going to promote the arts. Um, for us, Neil Young went and he had a great concert and he said, you know, I'm not going to back out. And there is one entertainer uh, from a group that I don't like to, uh, from Pink Floyd. Roger Waters is outspoken and usually gets on the internet and tries to get um, other groups not to go. But so far, most of them have told him where to go and uh, that they're going to play in Israel. It's, I, I think it's been pretty, pretty amazing for those people who have gone and uh, performed there. I know that uh, Bon Jovi and I know I read about the Stones when they went. They both had great experiences. Yeah, um, boy, I that's interesting. I, I, as someone who lives in Dallas, Texas, have a a loving kind of tongue in cheek envy of my fellow Bruce friends that live in the East Coast. It is very rare when Dal when we get a Dallas show, and you never get multiple shows. And I'm lucky enough; he's playing in Dallas and Oklahoma City, and I'm going to go to both. But I flew to Pittsburgh to see him, and I'm flying to Louisville to see him um, versus, you know, between Jersey, New York, um, Philly. You know, you're all within a couple hour driving distance to get a chance to see him. 
I, I am tempted since Columbus is only a couple hours from Louisville uh, to go down. And I know he's coming to Cleveland next week. So I guess the original just uh, 26 cities or whatever it was going to be yeah. or, uh, has really been expanded because uh, I, I, know, I love that Cleveland's on the map for next week. And I'm so thankful that Columbus has been added to it um, because this will be my wife's first show to oh, go neat. see Bruce with me. Okay, well, okay, so Rabbi, talk to me about your Bruce journey. Tell me how you first found Bruce, um, and, you know, when was it? What kind of drew you to it? Talk to me about your origin story with Bruce. I, I have to admit that I have been searching my memories, and it's really disjointed. I can tell you that the, the memory that sticks out the most is that in the either in the twelfth grade or whenever the river tour was originally? What was it? Nineteen eighty. So somewhere in the last few years of high school, when we had licenses to drive, we lived in Hamilton, and Toronto was about an hour away from us. And the concerts all went to Toronto. You either played in Maple Leaf Gardens where the hockey team played, and that's where I saw a lot of concerts. I saw Sticks there and Rush. Um, but I mean, Bruce was playing Maple Leaf Gardens, and a friend said. Um, let's get some tickets and go. And I think it was the middle of the week. And I said, listen, and he goes, he goes And the selling point was, he goes, yeah, it's Bruce Springsteen. He plays for three or four hours. It's going to be amazing. And I said, well, it's an hour to drive there. We're not going to get home till like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. We got school the next day. And I said, nah, I'm not going to go. And I have regretted that decision because I probably would have been a huge groupie then if I would have, I liked the music. I liked Bruce. And I thought, wow, it just doesn't make sense, you know, have to go to high school the next day and uh, go see this concert an hour away in Toronto. And I texted my friend and I said, remember that concert you offered me to go to? And he said, yeah, I think it was the River Tour. So now I'm finally going to get to see the River. He took a girl instead and he said, you know, it, uh, it didn't work out that well for him that night either. <laughs> but but uh, it's funny that he did see Bruce and I, I really, really wish... I would have seen Bruce in Maple Leaf Gardens. It was a great venue for uh, concerts at one time. Oh, that's uh, amazing. So when did you get to see him? Uh, so I did not get to see. So so many years pass and many other concerts happen. And the only other memory I can remember from uh, is I think it was the time not on records, but on cassettes after A-Tracks when my parents got one of my brothers or myself the 1975 to 1985, like Bruce collection. Right. Was it four cassettes or something like right. that? The live. And, uh, yes. Four or five. Yeah. So I remember, I think my brother got it. He's getting him to let me listen to it was a problem. So I liked the music. I remember when the, you know, I remember Courtney Cox being put on stage when videos were just coming out. All those things were, you know, great memories. But I don't think for me, I came back to Bruce very much like you did from listening to your podcast. I didn't go see him until the um, after the rising for the first time. So not until the, in the last you know 10, 15 years. And the rising for me, even though I had the other music, after 2001, Bruce spoke to me by producing that album. I, I don't think a record has ever reached out and grabbed me of you know i don't think he intended it to reach out and grab me in the way it did but i was just re-listening it to it today just to uh, get me in the mood for the podcast and something about that album seemed to heal um after the terrible terrible tragedy and the terrorist attack of 9-11 um i don't know if enough has been said about the healing power of a record and the rising for me was amazing to be able to hear in words from this poet talk about talk about human beings, talk about our feelings, talk about the healing process, and in beautiful songs. Um, so for me, that's when I came back to Bruce, and then all of a sudden everything started being repurchased. You know, albums that had been warped in a garage somewhere, cassettes that no one listened to anymore. I started, you know, downloading things and buying MP3s of uh, concerts or uh, of, of albums again. And so that's when I started my recollecting of Bruce. I agree with you 
like into the fire, right? May your strength give us strength. May your faith give us faith. May your hope give us hope. May your love give us love. I, I just... Those words alone, I don't know why they touched me so much, but it sounds like they touched you. Yes. Um, that and Empty Skies, Lonesome Day, I mean, everything. Yeah. That was an album that I, I, for the people that were Bruce fans, and I think even if they weren't, it had a help. I, I, I believe that album reached out and touched people in a way that I'm sure he knows in some way, but uh, I'm not sure that the, you know, the casual fan or the person who doesn't really listen uh, knows. That album made me go out and get, I remember I went in and purchased, uh, I think, the live concert at Madison Square Garden. I didn't even know that the, you know, I knew there were some solo albums, but I wasn't sure about that the E Street Band wasn't with them all the time. Yeah. So it's amazing for me to be able to, you know, go back and and mm -hmm. listen to that music. And then I've actually, I don't think I've read an autobiography or not or a biography about a person in a long time that wasn't related to my work. And I, yeah. I, I just, I, I remember getting a deal on uh, the Carlisle book on Springsteen. Right. And so I just read that this year and it was, uh, it was great, you know, to fill in all those information that I didn't know about Bruce. It really was. And, you know, the story supposedly someone on a street corner after 9-11 shouted to Bruce, hey man, we need you back or something. And I, I'm sure that's just folklore, but it it feels like it's true. Uh, I have talked about this before when, you know, they do the kind of the telethon, they do that special and they open with the E street band doing my city of ruins. Yes. I think if there was a moment that got me not counting the live show, you know, when I saw him live, but with that, I went, wow, this is, this is something important. And this is amazing. I feel he's called upon after Hurricane Sandy. I mean, he's called upon for those moments in where our country needs to hear him and the E Street Band on stage. And in that way, he really is a national treasure. And since I don't get to speak to fans like you that much, how many times have you rewatched on YouTube when he was honored at the Kennedy Center and all the different artists came out and did his music in a way that was so amazing that I think I rewatch it every few months. Rabbi, I will tell you, first off, yes, I do. I have seen John Stewart talking about yes. that, you know, the, the love child. James Brown uh, and Bob Dylan. Yes. yes. <laughs> I will tell you my bitterness that there is not, I have gone to the Kennedy Center website to try to look, I would buy that full experience, not just what was televised, because it was amazing. And and I think it's amazing, kind of skipping ahead, but I think you'll agree, the man is 66. He still has something to say. Songs on Wrecking Ball and High Hopes, he's still writing about something. And he still is pushing his art. And I think this River Tour, though originally some fans of Little Faith, though I want to remind them, have a little faith, right? We're talking about, oh, he's become a, you know, just an Odie's act. But he is a man of 66 looking back at an album he did at 30 is very, I don't know if you've been able to see him on this tour yet, but it is a very powerful kind of, reflection of what I was then and what I am now. I, I haven't seen him, but I was very grateful um, and thanks, thankfully for Twitter and the different Springsteen things that I follow when that show got canceled in, um, in New York and then he gave us the free download of the Chicago show. Over 100,000 downloads I read somewhere. Is that, re is that true? Yeah, that, I, 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 yeah, someone said it was over 100,000 downloads i am blessed i still have my mom with me alive you know i got i got a letter from her a week or so ago and i, I said it's not my birthday what's mom sending me a letter for and inside was a note said you've probably already seen this but i wanted you to know i was thinking of you and the lake charles american press had an article about springsteen offering touring and also talking about how he's embraced you can now download the shows and in that american express article it said that the chicago show had over a hundred thousand downloads 
And I was like, I almost had tears in my eyes that my mom thought enough of me to cut this out and send it to me. Uh, very sweet. Yes. It was. I, I, I'm a little envious that you're, um, uh, that you've talked about how your son's going to go with you, even though he's yes. not a big fan. Right. And my, my children have adopted many of my musical tastes. Like yes. one of my kids loves Elton John and one of my kids loves uh, Billy Joel. Yeah. But when I talk about Springsteen and I talk about it with the and I play it loudly in the house, none of them have adopted my love or even a willingness to to listen to Springsteen. And it it bothers me. And I'm so thrilled that my wife's going to come with me. It is almost a greater gift that she's coming. I, I want her to enjoy it. I, I don't even care if she loves the music. I want her to enjoy the experience of being right. in that concert, which is so which will I am hoping will be so different than the other concerts we've been to. Um, so I, I'm envious that your son and your wife go along with you to these things. And I'm hoping my wife will catch the fever. So my my wife was there at the rising tour and she was like, I didn't know any songs. I don't care. And so in 2012, we drove up to Cleveland. Uh, stopping in uh, bourbon country there in Louisville, saw my friend Charles I was just telling you about in Columbus. We spent the night there and had dinner with him and his lovely bride, Lori. And so we we made a whole friendship trip out of it. And after the Cleveland show, she says, well, I don't know if it changed my life. I prepared her. I played a lot of songs. I told her, I know you say you have trouble understanding the lyrics, but think of it as an instrumental, and his voice is just another instrument. Just let the emotion carry you. And driving up to, you know, on the way, we would, she would Google the lyrics and would read the lyrics along with certain songs and, you know, kind of got it. So at the end of the show, she says, I don't know if it changed my life, but it changed my concert-going life. I don't know if I will ever be able to appreciate a show the same way and we went saturday night for valentine's day good friend of mine uh, we have been friends with sarah for almost 30 years her first album uh she's a singer songwriter that's from texas called sarah hickman and her first album says jesse and linda and the baby in the thank you notes we're oh, not the only great. ones but you know of the list of people because linda was pregnant with chris and now chris is 27 and, you know, Sarah played two hours and Linda said she, she was beautiful. She told great stories and you could see she was exhausted at the two hours because she had given of herself. And I know and Rabbi, it's I'm interested to hear you thought about it when I'm doing a presentation like for a group of people or I'm doing a business meeting. And I have to do a, you know, a even a three or four hour seminar where I don't talk hardly any at all. I'm just kind of the master of ceremonies and moving in and out. Um, I'm exhausted when I get home because I've been on. I don't know if you have the same way after service, but Bruce is three and a half hours. <laughs> like, how is he not just exhausted at the end? And it's not it's not standing still. No, uh, you know just just the fact that he when he throws up his guitars, I always wait for those guitars to come crashing down. I can't believe they don't you know fall. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, as a conservative Jew, I'm in the branch of Judaism, a conservative Jew, and we're used to morning services on Saturday that start at nine and end at eleven thirty, eleven forty five. We, we can't even go three and a half hours anymore. That's like one of our high holidays. Uh, that's okay. Rosh Hashanah. So it's, I, I don't know how he does it. Again, when you're busy, I do notice when you, when I'm in the moment, time seems to move so quickly and it's not till it's over. He must be in such a moment. I, and he, I haven't heard this, but I did see that he just got a book deal that we're going to be hearing his own words, hopefully. Yes. What's that moment like for him out on the stage does time just seem to go? Does he does he feel it? He obviously feels it from the crowd. Um, yes, uh, they all do. Yeah, uh, it seems like. I mean, it seems like it must be just the greatest time to yeah. be on stage with them. Um, and what a fantasy if you could, you know, ever get that moment. I, I still, you know, will rewatch. 
Jimmy Fallon, who's a huge fan, sit there on the side just playing whatever percussion instrument just to be on the stage with him and the E Street Band. It looks like so much fun. Well, and yeah, I. It does seem fun, and we have talked about this uh, when JB and Rob were on the the two young guys who got up on stage to do No Surrender at the Houston show. Um, and if you Google it, No Surrender Houston 2014, um, there's just two brothers, and it is the definition of joy. They just seem to be loving life and being there, and the band was getting so much energy from them. Um, I The episode we, that came out today, um, I had all talked about being in the pit and how they were, you know, this was after Boston and they called me on a Saturday morning and we recorded and they said, we're all sore. Our feet hurt. Our back hurts. Our throat is just, you know, we're, we strained our voice and we couldn't be happier. Well, I, one of my colleagues, Rabbi Dan Selzberg, who was in Hamilton, Ontario, was a classmate. He got sent to the synagogue I grew up at in Canada, and he somehow had a connection. And when Bruce would come through, now Hamilton had a eighteen to twenty thousand seat arena, and he was in right against the stage, standing there um, for two shows and wearing his kippah, his head covering. And at times he, he said, you know, he's right in front of Steve, I think. And, you know, I wonder if he was looking down going, who is this guy sitting here right at the front here with the big kippah on his head? And uh, there are many rabbis, I mean, uh, that I could list. He, he, this this uh, Rabbi Salzburg's lucky enough. He lives in Jersey now and he has twin boys along with another son. But his sons just went to their first concert on this tour. He took them and it was a he, he made sure to tell me, you know, I'm taking the boys to see Bruce. And he had got his children in, you know, into it. So little 12-year-old boys were at their first Bruce Springsteen concert recently. And I hope they had an amazing time. Oh, that sounds great. Um, uh, but I did we, yeah. we were talking about joy, and I, I one of the things you asked me to to come on was after I said, There I don't know what you're I I, I believe you're a religious man also, correct? Are you yes. a man? Yes, absolutely. And so there I don't know what your services are like, and uh, but I wish we could find a way to capture in our services what a group of people going to a Springsteen concert. I don't even mean the music. Is there a way to capture that joy and hope into those same hours that we spend in worship? Our Jews, we pray three days a day, three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. But on the Sabbath, when the sun goes down on Friday until the sun sets on Saturday night. It's it's supposed to be our most joyful time. And there are tunes that we do that are joyful, and there are situations, but there's nothing like that moment of ecstasy being at a Springsteen concert. And I don't want to, I'm not talking idolatry when I say, I'm not focusing on Bruce, I'm focusing on what he's creating. And what he creates is that pure feeling of being at a joyful experience when he yells out, it's going to be a, a baptism, a bar mitzvah, whatever, you know, he, he just yelled. It feels like he really is trying to create something that, um, even though I think he's, uh, you know, from what the book said, pushed back on his Catholic upbringing and his schooling, he, he's trying to create something religious that you can't get in a service. And I've always, I, I just would love to find a way and I think it's his energy and what he tries to do with a crowd of people. Um, and it, I give him all the credit for that. I think that's one of the reasons I'm a fan. You know, I, I, Rabbi, I totally agree with you. Um, I grew up Southern Baptist. My wife was Catholic. I um, converted when we got married. Um, and there is a, I can count probably less than 10 times in my 55 years where I've had this feeling of, call it the Holy Spirit, calling of this, this where I'm so happy to be in this community, where I, I felt loved and I felt together and I felt like we are one people and a purpose. And 
and it's just very rare that in a service it happens. Um, I have a good friend, uh, Sam, who is my Bruce uh, buddy at work, and he jokes about he is Jew-ish. Um, borrowed the joke from someone else, and you know he is not very. He doesn't practice, and he went to the Seeger sessions. And he says it was as close to religious experience he's ever had. He said just that that music and that just the the feeling and and the how close it was and the with history and all this amazingness. I would have liked to I would have liked to seen the Seeger session uh, tour. Uh, I've got the double the Dublin album album live, and I mean. It would have been great to hear Jacob's Ladder live. That oh, would have been fun. It, absolutely. And and I, you know, this little light of mine and, and just, it, I, there's just such a joy. And I do agree with you. It isn't just the music. It is the 10, 15, 20,000 people all there and almost 99.9% .9 of them are there to experience this bonding and this joy together. Um, and it is, and I do think that there is a lot of spiritual lessons and life lessons he teaches us in his music. Um, I did a work presentation. I had, I was in Manila and they asked me, they said, well, you're a, Anytime we have a, um, a management, a senior management person come from the U.S., we ask you to make, if you're willing, we'd like you to do a talk. I said, what about? Oh, just really anything, but we want to talk about your background, where you've come in, and we'd like to know your recommendations or suggestions on how to be successful or how, what, you know, life lessons. And so I talked a lot, and one of the things was I quoted Better Days. And I said that I know it's a love song, but in a lot of ways, to me, it's saying too many people say, well, when I get a new job, I'll be happy. When I find my perfect mate, I'll be happy. When I pay off some debt, I'll be happy. When I get the kids out of diapers, I'll be happy. And you're wasting your life away. You need to be, and I, you know, he talks about that. I can't promise you life everlasting. What I can do is promise you life right now. You got to enjoy the journey and you've got to be happy with where you're at now, even if you're struggling. I have shared this with other people. I spent a nine month unplanned sabbatical last year. It was a very tough time for me and my family. You know, you start losing your faith like, I'm never going to get a job again. I'm this worthless piece of dew. I said, one, it's easy to have faith when things are going well. And two, it's easy to believe there is a purpose and a plan when the plan's very obvious. Faith is when you aren't sure where you're supposed to go and you aren't sure if things are doing. You can just, you know, that's why they call it faith. And I played better days a lot to say, I'm having extra time now. I got to help my wife prepare for her Ironman race. I watched some movies I wanted to watch. I read books I want to walk. I, I did stuff around the house, you know. I, I, I just said, this is my life and this is my journey and I can't take it for granted. And all that comes out in a Springsteen song. It, it really does. And to, to be honest, uh, just as a fellow music lover, I just heard, uh, I'm blanking on his name now, the guy who just won the best country album last night at the Grammys, Chris Stapleton, Chris yes. Singleton. Is okay. that his name? I think he, so, yeah. So he just did his song, The Traveler. Yes. Amazing. Talking about journeys. You should try Steve Earle, his music, and Lyle Lovett. Now, I don't know really what the connection, Lyle Lovett is different, but as a singer-songwriter, and I, I, it has expanded my horizons Steve Earle is also another one of those guys, not on the same level of energy, but his words. Um, so I always recommend to other Springsteen fans, I love Steve Earle. I've seen him now three times in, uh, you know, much different venues, 300 people, um, him and a guitar. Love him. 
love, love, love him. And uh, it was because of my love for Springsteen and talking about him that it kind of expanded my love for other musicians that are out there. Yeah, I agree with you. Sam is a big uh, Steve Earle fan, and I loved him in Treme, and I have picked up some Steve Earle albums and, and really enjoy the music and what they're sharing. Um, totally agree. So, Rabbi, you talked about The Rising. Is there any other um, Springsteen songs or albums that mean a great deal to you? Um, I think it's right now Tunnel of Love has, has been speaking to me. I've gone back to that. Um, the, the whole sound of the album, I forgot how good it was. And I again, I had it all those years ago, 25, 30 years ago. But now it's on Amazon Prime and I can listen to it all the time. The um, Someone gave me, uh, I hope it's legal, someone gave me some CDs once and they were... Um, the Philadelphia reunion rarities or something like that. That's okay. a great, that was a great one. Um, I find myself, I listen to, I listen to wrecking ball too. I know you have guests on that don't have nice things to say about it. And you and I both defend it. I like Wreck, wrecking ball and taking care of your own. Uh, we take care of our own. It means so much to me uh, as part of my uh, philosophy. I think that's a great song. I love wrecking ball, even though I'm not a giants fan there was just one really strange song on that. But I, American Skin, for me as a Canadian and someone who lives in this country now and talks about issues like that, I still think it's not just a great song, but something that is um, editorial each time it's played in many ways. So it's, it, it, there isn't, there isn't really a bad time. I mean, I can put on The Ghost of Tom Joad, I can put on Nebraska and feel, just listen to him. There was only one album that I haven't been able to get back into. And I have to re human touch. Okay. I haven't been able to find a way back into. Um, I also find tunnel love as that really speaks to me. Lynette Corella um, does a Springsteen podcast. She doesn't do it very often. Um, and she had a friend of Adam Carella, her husband's, talking about Tunnel of Love. And he mentions that the lyric, you know, that some men want to die young, glorious and free, but that ain't, you know, that ain't me. I want all the time that heaven will allow. He talked about he was fighting cancer and he played that song to saying I want all the time that heaven will allow which I thought was such a powerful statement um and yes well, I didn't you, didn't you have a woman on or was it your podcast that I was listening yeah. to of a woman who was fighting cancer yes. and and that it was talked about listening to yes so much Springsteen yeah it did and I I've been blessed that I've had people that um Bruce has gotten them through deaths, through breakups, through joyous times, through illness. And, you know, music does heal us. And music is a time machine. But I do think, and maybe it's because I'm biased, I think Bruce fans just a little bit special. And I believe he does it just a little bit more than the average band. But I may be biased. Uh, I, I, I don't have anything to speak to, but I can just say that I think there is, there, there probably is uh, some kind of bonding that we all have Yes. Uh, with it. Um, I know that among my colleagues who love him, there are, you know, many of us have the same theology and passions and we, we just find the music of Springsteen to touch us all. Yes. But it, it does seem to be. I, you know, we're, uh, we all look sort of the same though. All of us Springsteen fans. Yeah, it is. And we're, you know, we all are about the same age and we all are pretty pale looking. Well, so, uh, it, yes. Now I do agree with that. Um, I do recommend you were talking about going through, um, some of the, uh, past shows and, and I appreciate that. Um, you did not mention listening to, I believe it's Andre. Yes, episode seventeen. Andre 
is a 19-year-old Canadian. Episode came out on November 19th, and he has never seen Bruce live. He is uh, going to university in Alberta, and it was fascinating to hear like he ta- he was like a child when 9/11 happened right <laughs> but he talked about how much Bruce he's obsessed with him and he did his like his high school paper on different Bruce songs and records and so it's kind of nice to see there is another generation coming out I, um, I hope so yeah, I wanted I, to ask you yes have you seen Springsteen and I yes so do you think there's any truth to the story that English couple told about how they got to their really lousy seats and there was a guy there from Springsteen's organization and handed them better seats and that he does this at all his shows? I'm so glad you asked that, Rabbi. My second Bruce Springsteen show was a Devils and Dust show, and he was going to be at this small venue here in the Dallas area, Verizon Center. And I told my wife, I said, do you mind if I go? She goes, I have no interest going, go. I said, okay. So I got one seat, and picture if you can, Rabbi, to the right was the aisle, to the left was a pillar. I had a single seat by myself at the top, most, upmost row, on, and it's a two two-tier arena so i was at the bottom side as far as you could go a single seat oh the devils and dust tour was doing that big of arena uh no it's it's a little bitty uh you know it's 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 a small club but it was there's there's an upper level and a lower level so and a guy comes up and says to some people in front of me do you want better seats do you want some other seats like yeah And, and so he came to me and i went no 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 because I'm thinking it's a scalper. Right. And then it hits me. Wait a minute. I'm in the venue. <laughs> this can't be a scalper. So I walked over. I said, excuse me, sir. Uh, yes, I'd love a better seat. He goes, okay, here. And so all of a sudden, I ended up being in the lower section, fourth or fifth row. Um, and for those of you who are sports fans listening, they were not quite as good as uh, um, Daryl Moose Johnston, who was a Dallas Cowboy, but they were better than Babe Laufenberg, who was a Dallas Cowboy backup quarterback. <laughs> I was right in the middle. <laughs> and um, and I was like, I've heard rumors about that they have people going through that, but it happened to me. So, yes, I believe that could happen. Well, I, I have to hope then, because I was online – Right away at 10 o'clock in the morning last or I, uh, last week or the week before when they went online, I had the phone in one hand trying to call, and I was online, and they gave me seats that were so terrible, and I then got on the phone, and I, I still don't have great seats, but I'm hoping that, you know, uh, to be really honest, I'm, I'm hoping that where we are, as long as I think it doesn't really matter that much, because unless you're right up against him, as uh, some friends were uh, this uh, a few weeks ago in Connecticut, in Hartford, they had great seats. They posted a picture. I said, how close were you? And they go, really close. Um, I, I think it's just being in the atmosphere, and I'm just going to enjoy uh, the whole experience because it, it you, you can't – I, I kind of complain about how much it costs, but I, I can't complain about what I'm getting in return. Right. I, I feel like I'm getting this great value, and I'm just I'm just really glad that there's – Things available today like Amazon Prime and Spotify and yes. things like that that you can listen to all of his music anytime you want. If you if you don't own it, go ahead and listen to it. There's great ways to listen to it, catch up on it. I mean, I've been listening to the remastered uh, 30th anniversary of Born to Run over and over again, enjoying that. Well, and, and uh, the other thing which is amazing is Brian Wilson is in Jersey, and word breaks that Bruce shows up during Brian's solo tour. And plays and sings on a couple of songs. Jackson Brown was there in Jersey. Um, Bruce shows up and plays, and it yeah, isn't a matter. <laughs> yeah, it isn't a matter of wow. I wish I could see. It's like when? Where is the video? Um, and so there are 
because of technology, even when you're not at the venue, you get to see snippets. You get to see, you know, the Philly Elvis dancing with Susie. Yes. Um, and and you get to see him doing, um, you know, the Glenn Fry tribute. Um, you know, the, the David, David Bowie, Bowie tribute. tribute. Yes, it yeah. is. Um, we are truly blessed. No, it's it's amazing to be able to pick up, and I mean where he'll show up and you'll just go, there he is. I mean, I listened, there's a Roseanne Cash album, the list of she's doing all her father's songs and he, and he's singing back up with her and it's just fantastic on one of the songs. I think see, not sea of love or um, something with C in it. Yes. Uh, it is. Great song that you yes. know, I go, that's Bruce. It and is. I, I look for him. I mean, when, you know, who do you call when you you're Bono and you can't perform? And I guess, Springsteen goes and plays with you too. That's that's the kind of uh, ability, musical ability that I guess only Springsteen or one of the few people Springsteen like Springsteen does. Uh, we saw Paul Simon and St- uh, Sting did a, a concert together. Saw it in the re- redone form in L.A. Oh. And I got to tell you, it was a fantastic concert. Oh, absolutely, I'm sure. But it was it was just amazing. But it it still didn't reach the level of a Springsteen concert for the amount of energy. I saw Billy Joel in the Hol- uh, the um, Hollywood Bowl, and not until the last song, when all 17,000 people were singing Piano Man, yeah. did it feel like uh, that kind of concert, yeah, that kind of the whole group doing it together. Well, when he's done on this tour, and by the way, I think it's interesting, the first seven times I saw him, I never saw him do Thunder Road. And the last three of the 2014, I saw three shows. He did Thunder Road in each time. And like at Pittsburgh, when he did Thunder Road, it becomes a sing-along. Right. You know, everyone's singing along with him, and it's just amazing. Um, so do you slip in Bruce influences in your sermons? I have I have slipped in Bruce and um, uh I wish that I always had a younger audience that would catch it. Yes. But I do uh I do slip in Bruce comments. Very nice. And, and it's 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 nice to be able to but there are just on Facebook one of my professors uh just a shout out to Dr. Gail Rabbi Dr. Gail Labowitz and you know I I wrote something on Facebook and and she immediately responded with a Bruce quote. She's a huge fan, her and her husband. Oh, nice. I think she saw him in Glasgow, even when they were out on, the, they said, we got to see, got to go taste whiskey and go see Bruce when he was there. Um, so there, there are a lot of fans. I, I just, one great Bruce Jewish story. Yes, please. A few, years, a few years ago, I'm reading and he's performing at Madison Square Gardens, but it's the holiday of Passover. And for our people, that's one of the holidays that they're still, even people who aren't religious, still do Passover. Yes. And I heard about a group of Jews that so wanted to see Bruce Springsteen that they had their Seder somewhere. They arranged to have it at Madison Square Gardens and then went to the concert. <laughs> nice. Now, that's not the, That's not how I would do it. Uh, it, it does, but it still made me say, wow, what a way to do it. You combined both things. You did your obligation and you... We're flexible with your, you know, how you interpret the law. Yes. And you also saw Bruce Springsteen. That must have been a great Passover. <laughs> it, it makes me think of the sports night episode where they uh, they have a Seder at, uh, uh, at, you know, at the studio. So um, if you've never seen that, it's a very. Oh, I'm a big Aaron Sorkin okay, fan. Okay, I've yes, seen sports yes, night quite a few times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so um, <laughs> my friend Sam. Uh, plays that episode every year at Passover. <laughs> That's yes, one of his traditions. Uh, it, it, it's a good episode. That's Aaron funny. Sorkin's, Aaron yes. Sorkin's up there. Absolutely. Uh, but as as far as um, I'm just hoping, if my wife likes it even a tenth or you know more, right? And that as much as I do, uh, that we can share in this experience together. I'm really looking forward to it. In Columbus in April, um, I'm still looking at: Can I drive down to Louisville, or do I want to drive up to um, Cleveland next week? Um, I'm not not usually that that type that would drive to, to go to those, but I I'm tempted. 
just because I really, 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 um, he's so close. It seems like, wow, it seems a shame. He's going to be so close. Um, I hear you. So why not? Um, so is there a wish list of a couple of songs? I'd like to hear, I'd like anything. I'd, I'd love to hear Lonesome Day. I'd love to hear The Rising. I don't think that's been on one of the you know the seven or eight songs that he's doing after the, he plays the river. Now the rising uh, has been. I have ne- this is a oddity and um, Don, who's been on the episode has, I've interviewed with. Um, I have seen him eleven times, and the only song I've heard all eleven times is the rising. Okay, so maybe I get to hear that again. Every show he's played. He's on there. Now I love the rising, so it doesn't bother me. But just to say, not born to run, not Thunder Road, you know, not Badlands. It is every show I've gone to, he's done the rising. I'd love to hear him do Redheaded Woman with Patty right beside him. Oh just, yes, know, that'd be so to, funny for the kind of comedy and the yes. the fun of it. Right. Um, it, but I, I I'd love to hear American Skin um, and. Uh, what I mean, then we take care of our own. I'd love yeah. to hear those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was able to, we saw him a couple of times on the Wrecking Ball tour, and we got to hear that, and it really is, um, I think, a, a wonderful song of saying, you know, kind of a rallying of what we should be doing in this country. You know, right. and, and, and I think... Um, one of the things, if you get a chance to go to JB and Rob's, um, Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet. Um, they talked about 41 shots, American skin. And they said that in a lot of ways, they feel like Bruce Springsteen's career has been a advertisement for the American dream, uh, both the good and the bad. And he said that, and that's one of the reasons why they think 41 Shots and American Skin is so powerful because he has talked about the American dream and pursuing it. And that him, from his perspective, sharing that, I think is, I agree, it is one of his strongest songs. And I get pulled into it every time I hear it. There's, I, you know, it would be different if we heard that he was living some lifestyle and he was not, you know, there was some expose of him not being the person that we all see just in these snippets of being at the concerts or when we see him in short interviews. It seems like he's, you know, he's obviously wealthy, but he seems like a really nice guy, cares about his community, cares about his country, cares about human beings. You know, he's not going to save the world, but he is... Someone who is just promoting, let's take care of each other. We have this great ability. There is so much we can do still in this country. And as being not a Native American, I'm I'm a North American, but not an American yet. I love this country. And for some reason, I think that's another reason why Springsteen touches me. Um, Being a foreigner here, even if it's just from north of the border, um, he, he seems to speak to the patriotic sense that all newcomers feel for their adopted country yes uh you know they recently a few years ago um he was received at ellis island he received an award and he had his mother and his two aunts there his mother's sisters uh there and he talked about that you know this world in american land talks about that we were built by immigrants and the people that you know built this country sometimes they're trying to keep out and i think he he has he remembers his roots and he remembers both musically and socially um and has not ever forgotten it yeah it's that's i think that's that's one reason many of us connect to him i absolutely uh and uh for for me it will be uh, a pleasure, even if I just see him the once, or even if I can just listen to yeah. the music uh, from the Chicago show, I uh, I'm going to be happy with that. And uh, just uh, keep up the great work because Thank I've learned you, a lot. 
I've learned a lot just by listening to these podcasts. Um, and uh, you guys are, it's amazing the guests you have, some of the stories. I walked into a diner in um, on White Plains with some friends just to get coffee. Dory's Diner and all this Springsteen stuff all over the wall. And so we ask her, we go, Dory, because the woman who actually owns it is named Dory. And she's like, I, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. I've been, you know, and now I go to the show with my daughter and she's a 60 year old woman. Oh, and awesome. So it's amazing. It's amazing. You should get her on the show one day. I would love uh, she's that. A, she's a big fan and she's you know, got a restaurant with a whole wall of Springsteen uh, stuff going on there. That sounds great. Um, Rabbi, this has been amazing. Um, I want to have you back on after you see the show live to hear your thoughts and to hear uh, your lovely bride's thoughts. Um, I do think I want to organize Rob, you and I, to kind of talk. Maybe we'll do a whole spiritual um, side of Bruce and kind of focus on that. Um, you know, what I suggested to Rob might be interesting is – and I don't mean the sacrilegious, but almost a you could do a Ten Commandments of how to treat your fellow um, human beings and how to live a good life by taking quotes from Springsteen songs, you know, and because I think there is a lot of advice and spiritualism in there. So we may have to look at doing that. I just have one question: Is how much how much Tom Morello are we expecting to see in this tour? None at all. Um, though oh. um, you know, I, I though you never know. Tom may just show up. Um, he was pretty fun to see. I, I was I loved his, and a lot of fans were kind of a couple of fans were like, "Well, we don't need this guy, this interloper." But you watch videos of him; he was having the most fun. You could just tell he was so happy to be playing with this. And a couple of my fans have said that it's called the the E Street Band on steroids. I called it the E Street Orchestra, you know, with everyone they had during Wrecking Ball. It'll be interesting to see. Rabbi, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Um, Rabbi Arie on Twitter. Okay. I It's been a blast. Let me do a quick uh, housekeeping and then we'll get out of here. If you, dear listeners, want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies, send me an email to setlustingbruce at gmail.com. I do have a Facebook page and a Twitter account called setlustingbruce. My personal uh, Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. Follow me, and about once every two weeks you'll see a rant about racism in America. And someone will tweet me when they want to quote the other reverend. Uh I'd also appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. I'm stuck at 15 reviews, so I could use some more. It helps people find us. Um, Rabbi, this has been a joy. I appreciate your time, and we will do this again. Uh, for, for now, we're going to end with where's the eyes, the eyes with the will to see? Where's the hearts that run over with mercy? Where's the love that has not forsaken me? Where's the work that'll set my hands, my soul free? Where's the spirit to reign, reign over me? Where's the promise from sea to shining sea? Where's the promise from sea to shining sea? Thank you very much, Jesse. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Points.